The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I are headed up there this year for our annual golf trip, and I absolutely cannot wait. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com to check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they have up there. They opened up their new clubhouse and bar last fall. Folks, you've got to see this place to believe how great it is. Golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why all of them are saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themacklemore.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Two Under. Two Under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two underperformance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA license briefs. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at TaylorMade and their TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand or flop shot? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly designed dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 and TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. You've only got a few more weeks, folks, left to go down there and visit Tom at his winter home at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers. If you're nowhere near the west coast of Florida, but you still want to get lessons from one of the top instructors in the game, you can download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he can help you get it dialed in through the app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and subscribe to his newsletter while you're there. And go to his YouTube channel and subscribe to that, too, because Tom has uploaded over 150 free playing lessons for you. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. And I'm glad to have him back to help me celebrate my birthday tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? To you, 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chrissy. Happy birthday to you. Ah, thank you, TP. I appreciate you, my friend. A, a couple of corrections. Are you? You said you're fifty. So I thought you were sixty-six. <laughs> then I would be older than you, so everyone could see that that's not not that good. Well, you look. You, you, well, I was gonna say it looks that way to me. What are your What are your <laughs> Macklemore dates with your boys? When are you going up? When are you going to Macklemore? We're gonna be up there uh, June. I think it's tenth through thirteenth. Through tenth through thirteenth. So Thursday okay. through a Sunday. That's right. Okay. Right. So I just wanted to make a note of that. Uh, you never know. Um, so before we before we go to the regular hysteria we we go through every time we're on together. Is it true that you've done almost 500 of these golf shows? That is true. That's a fact, my friend. And and, and over 500 of the football shows. Yes, even more on the football side. So yes. So the combined total is somewhere between a thousand and 1100 shows. That's right. Yep. Kyle, you you're you're a, you're a superstar, man. You you're, you're incredible. <laughs> I just want you know I, we always kid we always kid each other and we give each other a hard time. But man, the stuff you do for both of these two games and, and the people you you reach out to and involve in these shows is just absolutely awesome. You, you know I follow you on social media and all your ticks and and both on the football side and the golf side. And what you don't know is I've tuned into some of those football shows now. I mean. Pally, you do an incredible job, and, 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 and kudos to you, and happy birthday at the same time. What what a great thing. I mean, the only thing holding you back is that 12 handicap, which is actually more like probably 15 <laughs> or 16, but um, it, it, the, the job you do is incredible. And, you know, like, look, at, look, at, look at today's guest, for example, excluding me, of course. Gene Getty, superstar in the LPGA Tour, and probably the next commissioner. Who, who does that on the show? And then back him up with Terry Hashimoto. Now, for the folks out there listening who don't know about Terry Hashimoto, we played college golf at the same time, a dear friend of mine, and one of the most brilliant golf minds on the technical, technical side there is in the, on the planet. And that, you, I know you haven't spoken to him yet, Chris. You're going to be impressed with that guy. He is a he is a incredible golf mind, incredible. So kudos to you. I mean, one good guest after another, pal. You're, you're, you're doing an awesome job out there. Well, I certainly appreciate all of that, TP. It means a great deal to me. Uh, I just happen to be very fortunate to have a lot of great guests like Tom Patry that come on the show on a regular basis. So uh, my my job is to tee you guys up and get the heck out of the way so that you guys can tell stories and share your, your playing lessons and your tips. I'm just uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a blessed man in a lot of ways. Oh, give me some of your nonsense. Well, let's you know. Let's start out with some nice. Did you hit your five golf balls today in preparation for uh, for next week's Florida Senior Open Championship? Are you are you ready? We had we had. Uh, I played a practice round um, yesterday over there. I hadn't been. I hadn't seen the place before, so I kind of wheeled around there in about three and a half hours after work yesterday, and got some notes and looked at it. It's uh, it's a it's a pretty good little test. I've got it's uh, got to drive the ball pretty nicely. It has it to creep in there and. You got to pay attention. You can you can make a big number quick if you fall asleep out there. So it's it's a pretty good test, and if the wind blows, it'll be a really good test. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been working at it. I, I've been trying to sneak every every spare second I could in. So we'll I'll be ready when the time comes. I, I think I think we're heading in the right direction. There you go. You know I'm rooting hard for you. So 
Go play well, my friend. Looking forward to hearing the stories afterwards. And speaking of well, stories, okay. hope you don't, you Mr. Know. Patry, yep. you had a big-name player come uh, spend some time at uh, Casa de Patry last week. Will you a little, little bit of that story? Yeah, we had a little uh, – we had a, had a friend over on Saturday night. The Champions Tour was in town, and um, somebody you may or may not have heard of, a guy named Couples, came over, and we had a little – and he whipped up some of our Maryland crab cakes, and I threw a couple of steaks on the grill. And Freddie came over with his uh, with his caddy, Mark Janey, Janey, who's a dear friend of ours as well. And we, we kind of caught up. We hadn't seen each other because of COVID. And we figured out almost two years, which is probably the longest time we haven't seen each other. Then. And we talked Yankee baseball. We talked Red Sox. We talked Los Angeles Dodgers. We talked, uh, you know, a little NBA. We don't really talk much golfers. It's funny. And all the time we've known each other, um, I'll bet you, you know, we've only showed we 41 years coming up this year. Um, we probably had about three golf conversations in our life together. Um, wow. We talk everything, but which is, which is kind of probably why we, we're still friends. <laughs> um, yeah, it was nice. It, 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 was, it, it, was, it was great catching up with him. And, uh, he, you know, the, the greatest thing about Fred Couples is Fred Couples is still Fred Couples. The same Fred Couples that I met in 1980 at a college tournament at Ohio State. There's the same Fred couples that sat at the dinner table on, on Saturday night, um, and that's why, and that's why we love him so much because he's he's the same he's the same dude. He, with all the successes he's had, and we know he's had many. Um, he's the same exact human being I knew uh, and met in 1980 at Ohio State. Tom, let's, talking about the Champions Tour, a guy that I think many of us thought we wouldn't hear from again until he joined the Champions Tour, Stuart Sink. He's a month shy now of his 48th birthday, and here's a guy now at that age just won twice now on the PGA Tour this season. We saw him last Sunday do a great job over at Harbortown. But how is a guy that age, do you think, out there beating all these young guys? You know, I think Stuart Sink is going through the same metamorphosis that Jay Haas went through late in his career. Um, I think it's been inspired by the same exact drug that's called his son. Um, you know, Jay told me, I asked Jay right after he joined the Champions Tour and had so, so, so much success um, that he'd really never experienced on the PGA Tour why it was happening. And he said, you know, Tom, every time I come home and I, and I want to sit on the couch, my two boys, who obviously are both great players, you know, want to go play golf, want to go hit balls, want, want to go to the gym. And they kept me so young and made me physically more fit than I had been before. And sharper than I had been before. So when I turned 50, I just, you know, I hit the ground running where some of the guys were sitting on their rear ends not doing much. And I think we're seeing Sink with his son caddying on the bag. You know, nobody wants to go out there as a father with his son on the bag and, and hit it sideways and play crappy. I think the kid has been a huge inspiration to Stuart, and I think it's uh, it's exactly the right drug at the right time. You know, we, we know the man's talent. You know, he, he won a bunch of times out there. You know, he has eight wins. Um, and he has a major, and he has a world golf championship. Don't so forget. So, obviously, pretty damn talented. So, I think the the adding the son to the mix on the bag has been just the perfect inspiration to kind of rejuvenate him and and kick him into gear again. So, and 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 and, and by the way, Chris, perfect game for the championship. Not overly long, but but long enough. Hits it pretty damn straight. Still has a, has a wonderful touch around the green, and he and he's kept himself physically halfway decently fit. So, I would say that you know he's you know rounding the bases and just hit a grand slam, and he's off to the races. I, I'd be very careful at 50 years old 
Let's do his thing. I think you're going to hear a lot more good things in the future. Tom, I want to switch things up and start talking about some playing lessons from you tonight. And we're going to tell, we're going to just sort of go from green to tea, kind of make our way backwards. But first, I want to get your thoughts on putting stroke and then putter head styles. But first, your thoughts on guys like Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Kuchar are now using, they use the extra long putter shaft and they brace it up against their forearm. Bryson on the, on his left forearm, Matt Kuchar and a stroke that I am still struggling to understand braces it up against his right, uh, his right shoulder. So his trail show, uh, trail uh, forearm, but your thoughts on the, on the idea of using these extra long putter shaft, whether you're anchoring it, if you will, or pressing it up against your, your left forearm or your right forearm, is that anchoring? How is that different from anchoring? <laughs> well, I don't think it is. Cause I think actually what happened there was when the USGA bumbled and stumbled through the long putter controversy and, and in my opinion, made the wrong decision because there was no absolute evidence. There was no statistical evidence that the long putter created an advantage. Because if, if you think back to that time when all this was coming down the pike, if you go back and look at some old film of Ernie Els putting with the long putter, he was horrific with it. I mean, not bad. He was terrible with it. Um, so it didn't help him one bit. And he is a fairly, you know, fairly good player. And, you know, there were some guys that had some successes. You know, obviously, you're going to point to Rocco Media at the Rally, and you're going to point to, you know, Webb Simpson at the U.S. Open and, and Adam Scott at the, at, the, at the Masters. But for every one of those you can name that had success, there were an equal number of guys that put it with the long putter that did not have success. So when the USGA banned that, all they did was set the game back from the amateur standpoint, supposedly trying to promote the game of golf 100 years because it discouraged so many guys at their home country club who were thinking whether they were or were not thought they were having some success and enjoying the game more, I thought it was a terrible ruling. What happened in the same in the same breath was they forgot about anchoring against the forearm or a body part other than the chest or the belly. Uh, it was kind of a loophole. It fell through the cracks. And once they did it, and there was so much turmoil about the ruling, I think what they decided, and I'm just, I'm just surmising this myself, they decided not to go back and amend it for the arm lock situation, which which you're discussing or questioning right now. They just left alone thinking, you know, we had so much heat about the belly putter and the, and the chest mount. Let's just leave this alone. And so the loophole allowed guys like Kucher, um to put it on their, and, and Bryson, put it on their on their forearm and putt pretty successfully with it. I highly recommend the arm lock for guys who get a little twitchy or get a little handsy and can't control the putter face. Yeah, it's helped a lot of people. Um, I hope it stays. I, I think it allows people to enjoy the game at the club level. Uh, a lot of my guys who were belly putters or, uh, or or chest mounted have gone to the arm lock successfully at the club level and, and continue to enjoy their golf. I recently converted a couple of my college players to it. Um, I think there's there's really there's really something solid about it. Um, it's it's worth looking into. And listen, there's so many. There's so many grips out there on the tour now, whether they're pencil grip or cross-handed or, or arm lock or, or you know, there's so many variations now, Chris, out there. Uh, putting is part science and part art form, and we're seeing some very artistic uh, endeavors into, into putting strokes and putting grips. So uh, all the more power to them, you know, whatever works. Tom, I know you've been toying with the new Scotty Cameron Phantom X putter, and the majority of the top players on tour now are using some form of mallet putter. I've got a TaylorMade Spider X putter that I really like. It's a 
it's sort of a much different putter world than it was when Jack Nicklaus was winning all those majors with his George Lowe putter. What are your thoughts on the putter head? Yeah, you know, Chris, I think I think uh, I'm not playing with Fanamex. I've been a Fanamex uh, user now for um, I'm trying to think. I, I think we go back. I, I always lose track of time now because of COVID, but I got it at the, the show before COVID, so it's almost it's almost two years now. I, I'm with the, with Fanamex, and um, you know, I, I putted with one putter, Chris, from the time I was 11 years old as starting as a beginning golfer. Won all my junior tournaments, my my college events, my NCAA, uh, and put my entire professional career with a Ping Anzer. So, and, and by the way, the exact same Ping Anzer, which is sitting about 15 feet from where we're talking right now. Um, somebody put another mallet head in my hands uh, just to try a couple years back, and it instantly allowed me, I thought at least, allowed me to aim much better, uh, square the putter face up better at address and keep it square back to the point of impact. Um, so I, I obviously needed a Scotty product, a Titleist guy, and uh, a couple of the guys in the Scotty camp helped me get fitted into Fanamex. And, and as we see now, like you said, on tour, it's predominantly mallets out there right now, both on the men's and women's tour. We've seen mallet, mallet, mallet everywhere. Um, I think they're really easy to aim. Um, they seem to be able to get the lie angle really, really flush to the ground. Um, they're very comfortable standover as far as I'm concerned. They're very well balanced. Um, they, depending on the face material, the Phantom X has great, a great deal off the face. I just think that it's a, it's a much easier putter to get the ball started on line with. So, Tom, when I think about guys, and Dustin Johnson just switched putters again, and I sort of view – Guys going back and forth between putters, sort of like college football teams rotating quarterbacks in and out. If you if you have two putters, like if you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. And so when I think about that switch, and you're taking the putter that you've been using for a while, and you stick it out in the bag in the garage, sort of like stick it in the garage, you're punishing it for a while. Go be in the garage. Go be in that bag. <laughs> you don't get to come out and play, and you're going to stay there until you learn how to putt right. So – your thoughts on, on the idea of going kind of back and forth and you have a couple of different putters. You really have one. First of all, on, on the punish the putter point, because there was, a, there was a, a player named Rick Pearson, who if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, maybe works for PGA Tour Productions now, who played at the University of Florida and played on the same team as Kenny Green and Mark Vecchia. And I remember at a college event, he had ping hands, and he came off the golf course after the third round, the final round, and he putted poorly. And he tied the putter to the back of the college van with a piece of rope and drug it all the way back from the college van back to Gamesville <laughs> and destroy and basically destroyed destroyed the putter destroyed the putter and he was punishing it for the, a, a bad round, a bad couple of rounds. Um, I think that's a little extreme, but I, I can I can relate to that frustration at times. Um, you know. I'm not a big fan. Listen, I, I, I just got done saying that I putted with the same putter from the time I was 11 years old till I was 60 uh, and just and just changed that fan two years ago. So I'm obviously clearly not a big fan of changing putters a lot. I mean, I think you find something that works. Uh, when, when, it, when it goes bad, it, it's, it's usually not the instrument, it's the operator. Um, I'm, I'm not big on, on making excuses um, for putting poorly and blaming the putter. You know, I love when guys take a putter out to the green and they bring a new putter to a lesson. They say, man, I found this putter. 
got it fitted. It feels so damn good. It's unbelievable. I'm putting great with it. And then six months later, it's the worst putter I ever had. I don't like the way it looks. It doesn't feel good. I said, well, what, 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 what happened? You know, the, you know, the courtship's over. You're not, not dating anymore. What happened there? You know, um, I, I think the guys change too often sometimes. Um, and, and they don't, they won't take responsibility for what really goes on. And I get it. I, I've had a backup putter. I, I just, I just had, I just got another fan of model from Titleist recently, uh, sent to me one of the newer models and took it out. It sits great. It looks great. It doesn't feel quite as good as the, as, as the fan of model I'm putting with, like two different models, just slightly different models. It's great to have a backup. I'm not big on jumping on and off the bandwagon. I'm, I'm not a big component of that. Tom, let's talk fundamentals. And sometimes we fall into bad habits, particularly if we haven't played in a while. What kind of checklist should we be going through in our minds to ensure that our grip, our posture, our ball position, everything is good to go so we can step up and hit a really good tee shot? Well, I, I, I think, Chris, you just, you just kind of teed it up for me, didn't you? You know, I'm about to um, – and by the way, just a slight correction in the introduction tonight. You can't you can't come see me at Crown Colony anymore this season because this is my last week, so you're not going to get in this year. Hope I see you guys next winter if you're tuned in. Um, but when I when I changed uh, locations here in uh, in early May, you know I'll leave Southwest Florida and between packing up here for a couple of days, driving up to the, the new locations for me in Country Club in Virginia, unpacking, going through a couple of meetings uh, with the new staff and stuff like that, and, and you know seeing the facility. There'll probably be a five or six or seven day period where I don't touch a golf club. For and that doesn't sound like very much to you guys who are weekend warriors, but to me who's used to putting his hands on the club every day and feeling the club every day, when I have seven straight days away from the game, you know, I first put the club back in my hands, it doesn't feel as comfortable obviously as when I left. And I know I know you guys go through this every week. Um so I will spend at least two days um hitting golf balls at the end of my day. Um, going through a checklist that you just described, my grip, my stance, my ball position, my aim and my alignment, my posture, and my spacing. And with a relatively short club, probably a pitching wedge, nine or an eight iron, getting some shots for two days, just getting all those things back, like you would say, check, 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 um, and establishing some balance and some rhythm and some timing again, but constantly rechecking and cross-checking all my fundamental, you know, setup conditions. Um, because if the launching pad isn't secure, Chris, you have no chance of making a good golf swing. I, I really believe that. I mean, I think all cancers, all swing cancers can be traced back to the set of conditions. So I'll spend those two days kind of putting my house back in order before I even attempt to work through my bag and, and eventually go to the first tee again. So let's talk pre-shot routine. As you're kind of, you know, you talk about aim and that sort of thing. Take us through your pre-shot routine and why we need one. Okay, so my, my pre-shot routine, if you looked at it with a putter in my hand, with a wedge in my hand, with a five iron in my hand, with a driver in my hand, would look very, would look would look identical. Um, I basically start behind the golf ball. I walk in in a slight semicircle to a perpendicular to the target line. I'll, I'll form my grip away from the golf ball and I'll hold the club up at eye level and check the relationship between my grip and the club face, making sure that the club face is, in fact, neutral to my grip. I'll then put the club down behind the golf ball with my right foot first out extended, my right foot and club stepping in. 
Um, I'll, I'll look down the target line once or twice, checking the relationship between the face and the target line, the intended start of the target line. I'll then step up my left foot and spread my right foot. I'll take one additional look, maybe waggle the club, and I'll go. And if we play a 1,000 rounds of golf together, Chris, you'll never see a variation from that pre-shot routine. You'll never see a variation. Let me repeat that one more time. You'll never see a variation from that pre-shot routine. Um, I think the greatest pre-shot routine of all time uh, has to be traced back to a guy named Nicholas, who was, who was pretty good and very, very deliberate. And if you look at his pre-shot routine in 1963 or you look at his pre-shot routine in 1986, not only are the steps he went through identical, but if you put him on a stopwatch, I would be uh, pretty pretty positive you'd find out when you click that stopwatch, stop and go, in both 63 and 86, it had the same amount of seconds that passed through uh, in both occurrences. Uh, I think those pre-shot routines get you in a cadence, get you into a relaxed state, get you comfortable, and allows you to come out of that starting gate, you know, all systems go. Um, you know, Nicholas probably, if you looked at him in the last 50 years of golf, and you rated, you know, the top 30 golf swings in the last 50 years, he probably might not fall into the top 30 golf swings in the last 50 years. But if you rated pre-shot routines in the last 50 years, he would be number one. Um, I think that you look at Nicholas, you look at Raymond Floyd, you look at Watson, uh, you look at Greg Norman, uh, you know, people like that. Um, you'll see very, very, very strict guidelines in pre-shot routine, and that's why they were, I think, the players that they were under pressure. Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And one thing I don't think we really think a lot about is tee height. You're teeing it up on the, you know, put it, putting the peg in the ground, making sure you've got it at the right height. But what is the right, or is there a right height? Is it, does it vary based on course condition? Does it vary based on weather condition? Or should it be consistent all the time? No, that's a great question, Chris. I think that one of the things that TrackMan taught us um, was in, in, in very general terms, most players on the PGA Tour hit up on the drive. So we've moved the ball more forward and moved the a little higher. They've launched the ball a little higher uh, at a lower rate of spin. Um, so the carry distances are maxed out. And then obviously when the ball hits the ground, it still scampers quite a ways down, down, down the line. But I think we've gotten a little bit overdone with that because if you look at a guy like Brooks Kepka on the PGA Tour, he hits down on a few degrees on his driver. So there's kind of a range um, based on swing styles. Uh, that ranges somewhere from a couple down to as many as six or seven up. That's a pretty wide range. So a lot of different things are going on in those different golf swings. All world-class players, by the way. So depending on what you're trying to do with your golf ball uh, or what you're trying to overcome in your golf swing, um, the tee height and the ball placement could be things that you want to look at. And I think to be sure about that, you want to get with your golf coach, your PGA professional, and you want to get on track, man, and you want to check numbers in terms of launch, spin, angle of attack, uh, smash factor, et cetera, et cetera, to maximize your game plan as what best, you know, what best works for you as an individual. You know, like for you, Chris, for example, it wouldn't really matter because you're so talented and adaptive. You can do almost <laughs> anything I ask you to do and just snap your fingers and, you know, and make and hit the shot. Right. So you're an exception. I appreciate you noticing that, Tom. Hey, one of the other things I, I've noticed when I'm watching uh, 
whether it's the guys or the girls on the PGA or PGA tours, is a lot of them kind of pick up the head of the driver just prior to taking their backswing. So it's not sort of drug along the ground at all. Is that something you teach your students to do? Is there benefit to doing that? You know, we, the, you know back to Jack Nicklaus. He, he was one that never grounded his driver. You know, he, he didn't want any pressure against the ground. He felt like sometimes when he put the club in the ground, he pressed down on the club and he created tension in his arms and hands. So a lot of those players are taking the club off the ground and just try to get the club feeling light in their hands and, and, and tension-free in their arms to allow them to turn and swing the club with more freedom. Um, again, I think it's individual. I, I, I ground the club myself, but I don't put a lot of pressure on the golf club. I've had players who ground the club and, and just lean on that golf club. And you can see there's just tension. You can see the veins popping out of their neck. And I've uh, I've taken the club off the ground in those cases and, and made, made them hover it. So I think it depends on the individual. Tom, before I let you go, I know you've done a lot of work on your YouTube channel. Remind our listeners what they can find on there when they subscribe and then how they can follow you as well over social media. Yeah, Chris, I'm still growing that YouTube channel. But it's, I, think I'm, I think I'm at around 150 clips now of video tips uh, on, on, a, on a wide variety of topics. Um, so it's been kind of fun. And if you're out there and you want to check it out, it's, it's free content and there's a bunch of it there. And just subscribe to the channel. and, and follow it and, and enjoy it, have at it. Um, and then, of course, all the regular places, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, most of my stuff now channels and drives through Instagram back to my Facebook site. Um, but I'm really enjoying that. You know, you, you're, you're great on those social media channels yourself. I, I enjoy putting that content up. I enjoy the feedback I get from people out there. Um, you know, the one thing that's amazing to me, Chris, if I can make a comment on that, too, is, is it's amazing to me how much backbiting goes on in social media between teachers. Uh, and I try not to participate every once in a while. Something, you know, gets me riled up a little bit. But, you know, guys put their stuff up there, and, and nobody has to agree with everything anybody else says. They, they've all found things that work in their teaching. So many guys have taken shots at other guys on, on, on these social media platforms and really been nasty in the way they've done it. Um, it just it just isn't necessary, and I hope I hope uh, anybody out there listening that's subscribing uh, to that kind of behavior can calm down and just, you know keep their remarks to themselves. Well, Tom, it is always a privilege for me to have you as part of the show, my friend. Root hard for you next week. Please let me know uh, how things go because uh, you know I, yeah. you, you you'll carry my positive vibes in the in the cart or walking along with you. I'll be right there, uh, right by your side, my friend. Rooting hard for you. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. If you don't hear from me, it's because I jumped into a lake with an alligator somewhere and still pissed <laughs> off. So we'll see. Hopefully it worked out okay. But I appreciate that. I yes. appreciate always being on with you, Chris, my friend. And uh, you're the very best in the whole world. Say hi to Hashi for me and uh, enjoy Jane. I absolutely will do both. Take care, my friend. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. Looking forward to catching up soon. Happy birthday, Tom. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Take care. That's the great Tom Patry. Again, T-A-T-R-I is the spelling of his last name, at Tom Patry Golf on Twitter and Instagram. The Tom Patry page uh, out on YouTube, his YouTube channel. Fantastic, folks. So much good content that you get for free, oh, by the way. So if you've got a question or, or a problem with your game and you want to go out and see some great instructional video, you can spend hours checking out all the things that Tom has available, and he's going to get your game fixed. So uh, be sure to go out there and subscribe. And uh, I'm rooting so hard for him. 
at the Florida Senior Open Championship. I can't wait to to hear how he does. Either which way, there's nobody finer than Mr. Patrick. So we look forward to catching up with him a couple of weeks from tonight. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 